Hi, this is Rahman Sheikh. Welcome to Fortnightly Railway Transportation Systems Podcast. I am the host and railway systems specialist working in this industry for 24 years and counting. This podcast is primarily focused on railway experts who have vast amount of experience and contributed greatly to this amazing industry. This is not a technical seminar but focuses on feel good stories, individual journeys, their success and failures, motivating younger generation to kick start their career in railways and creating a sense of pride for the railway people who devoted their lives on the most environment friendly public transportation. Our guest for this fortnight is Rafael Guerino, Country Chief Executive Officer, Australia and New Zealand for Siemens Mobility. Rafael has an MBA from Telecom Business School from Paris. She started her professional career as product manager in Orange. Rafael brings around 20 plus years of experience into transportation industry. Hi Rafael, welcome to Railway Transportation Systems Podcast. Thank you for joining and agreeing to spend some time sharing your insights with us. Thanks Raiman, thanks uh, thanks for having me. I'm very glad to be here to be able to talk about my uh, my experience. Uh, Rafael, it's my generic question, so my first question would be can you tell us about your professional transport industry journey so far, please? Yes, absolutely. So, I think well, probably we can say like a lot of people, I arrived in the railway industry a bit by chance. So what happened is that uh, after I've completed university was back in France in Paris I started my career and I've done the first 6 years in various industry more in corporate services marketing or strategy role but I've done telecom I've done te- other technology uh, company and after 6 years what happened is that my uh, husband got offered a role in uh, in Singapore uh, with his company So at the time it was quite funny because I got offered a role in uh, in the US in Chicago by the the company I was working with and he had at the same time this role in Singapore. So it was already uh, an interesting choice that we had to make and I have to say it was also by chance we decided Singapore because it was more we were more attracted with the warm weather of uh, of Singapore. So we decided to uh, to move to Singapore uh, and myself I had to um, to leave the job I was having at the time and uh, we arrived in Singapore. Uh, and i looked for another job in singapore and again by chance networking uh, i joined the alstom so you know the french uh, network helped me when i arrived in singapore and that's how i joined the, the railway industry so i uh, i first started with a role in um, in marketing and strategy again which was you know what was i was doing before uh, so i was the the strategy manager for the for the region uh, asia pacific for alstom and that's how i started my uh, uh, transportation uh, you know experience and this was back in 2006 so i spent then uh, 13 years in singapore uh, so first with alstom then i moved to uh, to siemens uh, so from my first role as a strategy manager i went into project management role uh, then i did some uh, tendering roles uh, head of projects role and after that uh, i got an opportunity to move to uh, australia and at the time i have to say that it was really interesting uh, i had two children two two our children were born in um, in singapore and they were reaching an age where we thought it would be good for them to see something else than singapore S- singapore was fantastic really for when they were very young it's uh, you know everything is easy in singapore it's very well organized 
uh, and we had all the you know the supports uh, for the kids as well uh, but you know going towards uh, the teenager year we thought that it would be good also to to have some development so when i had this opportunity to move to uh, to australia we thought it would be uh, it would be great so i was first the head of uh, products for Siemens Mobility for the, the region, the ASEAN Pacific. And three years ago or so, uh, I was offered the role of the country CEO, and here I am. Yeah, you're doing great. What a career diversity, Rafael. So looking back, I see that before you joining Siemens in 2011, as you said, you worked in various other sectors apart from railways. So looking into it, what do you think is your most Career highlights so far? Um, career highlights. I think what I would say is that, well, I, I explained so when I joined the railway industry in 2006. Uh, so I joined uh, Alstom. And after having done also three years of uh, role in strategy, which I would say more corporate services, I was offered by, by Alstom the chance to go into projects. And this, I would say, was was a fantastic experience. And that's what really launched uh, my career, you know, uh, in the railway industry. Because as you know, projects is at the heart of uh, uh, of the railway industry and especially for technology company yeah. like, uh, like Astom or even Siemens today. But it was really, uh, I would say, a jump in the unknown. Huh? At the time, you can imagine, I had, so in total, uh, uh, almost 10 years of experience, but always in, in corporate services. And I joined the, a project, so it's a complex project. It was a turnkey project in Singapore for, for one of the metro line. And I joined as deputy man, uh, project manager for the signaling portion of, of the circle line. But, you know, I had to learn everything. Uh, but I was really fortunate to be, uh, to be surrounded with very, uh, uh, you know, excellent people who really uh, uh, supported me uh, all the way. So the project management aspects uh, came quite quickly because, you know, with also all the studies I'd done in, uh, in business and in engineering, this was uh, less of an issue. Uh, but learning, especially signaling, is you know a complex part of the, of the railway industry. It's, I, it's very, very technical. I agree. Uh, but I loved it. Really, I loved every minute of it. It was, you, you need at the minimum to understand, you know, the technology. And I was surrounded with engineers that were, um, that were really, uh, really great, that taught me a lot of things. Uh, and thanks to this, you know, uh, six months after I started, I became I'm pro- a deputy project manager. I became a project manager. And again, this was uh, what really launched my career. So this project management experience, I mean, if I can advise to anyone, it's just if you're in the railway industry, take um, project experience, delivery. delivery experience. It's uh, so, so important. It's at the heart of, our, of, of what we do every day. Huh? Yep, that really stands out, Rafael, and I really like the way you test signaling because myself, I'm a chartered professional signal engineer. So looking back into your role, you got such a busy calendar and schedule. So what does a typical day in the life of CEO at Siemens Mobility looks like? <laughs> I would say definitely too many meetings. I mean, usually... Uh... You know, it's meetings uh, every day from uh, morning to evening. So I'm working with my EA to make sure that there is also now, uh, you know, a little bit of time that the meetings are not always back to back because to try to, because it's always difficult otherwise to end a meeting and be uh, on time for the next one. But yeah, lots of meeting. 
always put priorities. So it's uh, customer meetings, internal meetings, of course, always putting the priority on uh, on customer meetings. But there's also internal meetings needs to, uh, you know, lots of alignment in a, in a company like Siemens, because, you know, it's a matrix organization. So we have all the country function, but we have a certain um, functions that uh, where we have to link, you know, with headquarter functions, lots of approval decisions to be made. It's really uh, a, a mix, I would say, during the day between strategic activity and uh, more operational activity. And depending on the name, of course, the preference is uh, is to do um, for my role is to be able to spend more time, you know, on the strategic activity than uh, the operational activity. But sometimes there's escalation on uh, on certain projects that are very strategic where I need to uh, to be involved too. Yeah, I know. Recently, I read about you. I think it's women in engineering, where you're telling that you like to be challenged. And yeah, it's a very frenetic schedule and or I should say chaotic schedule. Apart from all that, I think being busy increases your energy, more productivity, improved creativity, mental alertness. Most important in this COVID time, being busy makes you staying positive. So Rafael, I really like the way you're bringing the values into the industry coming from other sectors. If you could change one thing about our railway industry, what it would be? So I think I will answer, about, and now, you know, f- about our um, specifically about the Australian market. If I could change one thing is really about more standardization in the requirements, you know, uh, between different states and different customers. Because, you know, at the moment, so, so there's a global, I would say, worldwide shortage of resource. And we have the same problem, you know, in the Australia and New Zealand uh, markets. And the fact that we have different standards per state, per customer, makes it much more complicated to train people to make sure that they have the relevant competency that are required. So, and here it's across the industry. So we talked about signaling, running stock is the same, uh, traction power, really standardization. And I know it's not easy in a a federal state like, uh, like Australia, but if I would have a wish, it would be this because I think it will allow a lot more innovation, you know, on the, um, on the Australian markets. Uh, to be able to focus the people on actually uh, innovation and not uh, deployment or uh, and thinking about the various uh, standards and uh, execution in the in the different places and also it will ease the the stress on the the resource that we have 100% you hit the bullseye what what an answer i really like that we need to address that i particularly personally i believe that we need to do a universal competency framework where the person can go into any state and work and not start from the scratch. Like in UK, we got IRSC, something we need to standardize. Exactly. I know certain countries don't like to use standards from overseas, but, you know, if you take, for example, the European railway market, you know, it's so developed and there's a lot of standards that have been defined over there. That would be easier rather than saying, oh, no, we, we choose, you know, the New South Wales standards or the Victoria standard. Where to some of the international standards is probably the way to go because then, um, you know, there's also more synergy on the on the preparation yeah. of that. Completely agree. I think this is pretty good idea. I wish we could all end up implementing this. So, you know, I understand you are a mentor as part of ARA Mentoring Program, Australian Railway Association. What advice do you have 
for young female professionals in rail industry yeah so indeed it's a, it's a mentorship program for women in rail so i've got a young mentee that's mentoring at the moment but that's what i say and i do it as well you know within siemens huh? i would say the most important is be bold you know generally speaking women are known to be less demanding you know in their career and career developments they're a bit more shy and uh, don't want to express necessarily their their needs or what they would like to do or what they want to do but the great thing that's happening in the industry i would say since the last five years and even more the last two years is that there's such a recognition of the importance of diversity in general you know gender but in general of diversity that there's lots of opportunity out there for women so don't hesitate Uh, be bold in uh, and demanding on uh, what you would like to do. Express your uh, your interest because yes, there's lots of opportunity and you should be able to uh, to seize them. Yeah, sure. Because recently, I know the rail industry is predominantly male dominant. Uh, in the recent uh, article from Engineers Australia, I learned that there are only 13% of women workforce. So I was thinking, how can women support women in rail industry? Yeah, no, it's it's important, but and I think we make a lot of progress in the more traditional roles for women. You know, generally in the, the financial topics, uh, HR, communication, and all that. But the, the really the, the focus is on non-traditional roles, which are more technical roles. And here, oh, there's a few things that can be done. But networking uh, activities are really important. Mentoring, we talked about it, uh, how, uh, you know, we can yeah. help women develop themselves. There's also sharing stories, similarly to what I've just said. But the really important one and one that, you know, I'm trying to advocate that we focus more is working on the pipeline. Because the biggest issue that we have today is having more women out there. Because today, you know, there's already lots of uh, constraint on the resource. And in this pool of resource, there's not also enough uh, enough women. So what we need is really build the pipeline. You know, my my daughter at the moment, she's in um, year nine, so starting to make decisions, you know, uh, in year 10, they need to start making decisions for what they're going to do in uh, year 11 and, uh, and 12. And I'm really surprised, uh, you know, that there's not more program for, for kids at this age to explain to them uh, what are the, the industry of the futures or in the next 20 to 30 years where, you know, there's going to be more work. So it's not just, of course, about the railway industry. It's general infrastructure in Australia, healthcare, you can say the software industry. But we need really to bring more visibility, you know, in the for the younger generation, really starting uh, from high school onwards and also kill some myths. And your question was also a bit more spe- specifically about women. Kill some yeah. myths uh, about women, you know, in STEM area. Because generally speaking, in the past, you know, it was seen as more male roles. And here it's important that really there's some uh, dialogue and questions that we should have more and more interventions, you know, in high school to say it's it's great. You know, the STEM roles are not uh, nothing that uh, a woman cannot do. It's not Agreed. a question of uh, of strengths or anything. And um, women are as capable as are doing it. And as I said, the diversity is so important in the work environment. Um, there's so many opportunities for women in STEM area that it's just a shame that uh, we are not promoting this more and, uh, you know, to the younger generation. What a vital points you have brought up, uh, Rafael. I really like it. Thank you. You know, you've been 
doing working with Siemens Mobility. So in this, how are you supporting diversity in your organization? So, yeah, it's, uh, as I said, it, there's a lot, there's a very big focus in, uh, in Siemens. And I would say for myself, as you can imagine, I'm also a very big advocate because I have to say, you know, in the role I'm in, a non-traditional role. And there's not a lot of women country CEO uh, around the world, so it's it's extremely important. And I am um, for me, and I, it's dear to my heart. So we have recently created a, a diversity and inclusion council, you know, in the in the organization to have ideas of things that we can do. And again, I want to introduce having also some more talks in the schools. Of course, we have targets, you know, for recruitment. Uh, whether we're talking about graduates level or uh, all the you know the recruitments to try and uh, promote diversity, having some panel interviews where ensuring that there's a woman you know in the panel, it can also yeah. um, have an impact you know on the perception during uh, during the uh, the interview. So those are the things that that we do. We are fortunate uh, that in Siemens Mobility in Australia, you know, in my executive team. Out of uh, seven people, there's three women and two in non-traditional roles. So myself and my head of engineering who, uh, is also a woman. So I think leading by example and showing uh, this is also uh, important, you know, for the, the rest of the organization and uh, uh, encouraging uh, the younger generation and the, the, the younger women we have in the organization to grow and to, um, and to help them. And of course, I would say we have the, the things we have introduced, like the new, what we call the new normal, you know, the hybrid working, being able to, uh, to work from, uh, from home uh, as well as uh, from the office or other things in the, um, in the HR area, like uh, having uh, equal rights, you know, for parental leave between men and women. Uh, we are putting all yeah. this in place as well. Great. See, you, Raphael, you covered Siemens. Now, I know you worked in various different countries across the world. And uh, do you think uh, that has influenced your career? And uh, can we see this getting implemented globally, not just within Siemens? Absolutely. I think, you know, working in different countries is an excellent teaching ground. And the key things you are learning is that different is good. You know, myself, I was the same. You know, uh, when I finished university, I had I had lived all my life, you know, in France. My first international experience was in um, in the UK, in London. Then I moved to Singapore, and now I'm in uh, Australia. But also, I love you know uh, travels, uh, also for uh, for holidays, and that's why it's great to see that you know. When you are just in one country, you see the, the things are done in one way. When you go in another country, you discover that things can be done differently and sometimes for uh, for the best or sometimes not for the best. But that's where you open up really your mind and that you see that uh, you need to challenge things, challenge the existing, and that it's always good. You know, we talk about the growth mindset, about challenging the ways of working, and you can learn a lot of things. So it's really opening up your uh, your mind and uh, I think spending time overseas is uh, is really fantastic for for this reason. Even I've been doing that same thing, and you get to meet uh, lots of good mentors and good teachers, sponsors, great intellectuals. So in all this, have you ever met any biggest influencer in your career so far? <laughs> Look, I'm very lucky that my. Um, 
my biggest and strongest supporter has always been my husband. Also having uh, well, sis, not in the same industry, but also similar similar roles, and uh, he's my uh, my biggest supporter and, and even mentor. Huh? I'm using him as a as a good sparing partner to check lots of things. And of course, you need also if I, if I think about it uh, during all the managers I had in my time, I would not be here today without their their support and uh, the the development. Huh? So, Rafael, how hard or how easy it is for a woman from a different cultural background coming into a different country and stepping up from project manager to CEO? I would say, you know, in the end, there's the, the only, there's no magic formula. The, the most important is the performance in your role. And I think this is always a, a very important uh, principle. Uh, it's not the question of favoring a woman because, uh, you know, a woman is better than a man. Performance is the most important. So you need to focus on your performance and be successful in your performance. After, what is true is that the railway business is a bit of a boys club. And, you know, we, we talked about unconscious bias and sometimes uh, it plays in it. And that's why uh, what I was saying before when you asked me about uh, an advice to, um, you know, the younger generation and the, the woman, being bold and demanding is the most important because otherwise, uh, you know, you have a, a risk of uh, stagnating and staying where you are if you are not expressing that you're interested, you know, to, to develop, to do other things, to move to other countries. This is really the, the most important. So myself, because I've never hesitated, or I would say no, it's not true, but maybe the first five or six years of my career, you know, I was young and you don't really know, probably not. Uh, not doing it as much as I should have done. But after, and especially after my experience in projects, I was really fortunate to, uh, my career got uh, accelerated uh, a lot and had lots of opportunity, you know, uh, to build other blocks in my career to arrive now in the position of CEO. You really did well, Rafael. So what is your vision for the next five years then? So what I would love, and we talked about it, the resourcing constraints is the biggest uh, bottleneck that we have in the industry today. So international level and Australia, it's a really important one. And that's why for me, it's not all about just training new people. It's also about looking at the optimization of the way we work. And that's one of the things we have done, for example, since I've taken the, the role here in, uh, in Australia, you know, we have times two uh, the size of the of the business and it's not, not just about increasing by uh, you know the, the number of people we have is looking at ways we can um, work more efficiently standardize more the the ways of working and as i've mentioned before if we could have more standardization also in the in the customer standards and the customer requests that would be great the other thing is the potential for the digitalization and the change in the industry that we can see you know today i would say the technology is no limit traditionally speaking in the in the railway business we have a bit of a conservative approach because there's so many safety system and you know for safety system the uh, implementation of innovations and new things takes time because you need to ensure that it's also uh, fully safe. But today, the technological advancement have been so great in the past uh, in the past five years, and everything that can be done thanks to digitalization is is really amazing. So, I think in the next five years we're going to see this coming uh, more and more, uh, being able to uh, to really show to. Um, to the industry, everything that can be done, either for extension, you know, of the the life cycle of the equipment, 
optimization for the end customers, you know, either if it's the information level for the passengers that they're getting, we call it, uh, you know, mobility as a service or optimization of the throughput or the um, getting information and ensuring that, uh, you know, the public transports are, uh, are optimized or the load is optimized. There's really so many things that can be done. It's, um, it's really the potential is great. And finally, we talked about it, more and more diversity in the industry. Coming back to have a true reflection or so of the, of the society yeah. would, be, would be great. Thanks. Thanks, Rafael. Recently, I want to bring one point because you touched a point called innovation. So while traveling, I picked a book called Jugad. It's a Hindi word for innovation. So it's I think it's a 2012 uh, edition. In that, they speak about bringing simple offerings from the ground up. And they talk about Siemens in that book. They say that it was founded in 1847. And it has 30,100 researchers with 4,300 patents in 2010 alone. It also talks about a product design strategy called SMART. And again, they say that it has got around 15,500 R&D engineers. So is this specific to India or these numbers are global numbers? No, I think this is uh, more specific to uh, to India. But, you know, Siemens is a, is a very big company, as you may know. It's a really a technology powerhouse. So you have Siemens Mobility, that's a separate uh, entity, which is serving the, the railway markets. But there's also uh, Siemens Energy. There's an healthcare part called Elsenis. Um, and finally, we have a part about um, digital industry and smart infrastructure. So if you take Siemens overall, the numbers are much bigger. Uh, and even only Siemens Mobility, the, the numbers are, are, are larger as well. Because, you know, in total, Siemens employee is uh, more than 300,000. Wow. Such a great big company. Thanks, Rafael. It has been Pleasure talking to you. You brought so much of topics into you. Cleared innovation. You cleared diversity. Woman. I think uh, Siemens is really lucky having you as CEO. Thanks very much, Rahim. And again, it was really my pleasure and uh, very pleased to be able to talk my experience and hoping that I can inspire some of the, the young generation. You will. Thank you. Thanks. I believe everyone listening to this podcast has got something to take away from today's discussion. If you like this podcast, please listen, follow and share this podcast within your network. If you believe we should be sharing your story or someone within your network, there is a railway leader who should be here sharing his or her contribution to this industry. Contact me on railwaytransportationsystems at gmail.com. Thank you for your time today. See you next fortnight. Until then, stay safe and take care of yourself.